Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. Oh, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. Oh, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The devil doesn't like it, but that's too bad. Cause I came to praise the Lord. The devil doesn't like it, but that's too bad. Cause I'm gonna praise the Lord. The devil doesn't like it, and that's too bad. Cause I came to praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. Oh, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. Oh, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Is that what you came to do? Let's give him honor. Let's give him glory. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, I'm not going to let the rocks cry out in my place. I'm going to give you praise because you are worthy. You deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. 
there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. As I journey through the land, singing as I go. Pointing souls to Calvary, to the crimson flow. Through many arrows pierce my soul from without within. But my Lord leads me on, through him I must win. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When in service for my Lord, dark may be the night. But I'll cling more close to him. He will give me light. Satan's snares may vex my soul, turn my thoughts aside. But my Lord goes ahead, leads whatever betide. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When in valleys low I look toward the mountain height. And behold my Savior there, leading in the fight, with the tender hand outstretched toward the valley low. Guiding me, I can see as I onward go. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When before me billows rise from the mighty deep. Then my Lord directs my bark, he doth safely keep. And he leads me gently on through this world below. He's a real friend to me, oh, I love him so. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. 
Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I long for that day when I can see you face to face. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The mighty God is Jesus, the Prince of Peace is He, the everlasting Father, the King eternally, the wonderful in wisdom, by whom all things were made, the fullness of the Godhead in Jesus is displayed, it's all in Him, it's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead is all in Him. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The mighty God is Jesus and it's all in Him. Emmanuel, God with us, Jehovah, Lord of hosts, the omnipresent Spirit who fills the universe. The Advocate, the High Priest, the Lamb for sinners slain, the Author of Redemption, oh glory to His name. It's all in Him, it's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead, it's all in Him, it's all in Him. It's all in Him. The mighty God is Jesus and it's all in Him. The Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. The living Word incarnate, the helpless sinner's friend. Our wisdom and perfection, our righteousness and power. Yea, all we need in Jesus, we find this very hour. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead, it's all in Him. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The mighty God is Jesus, and it's all in Him. Our God, for whom we've waited, will be the glad refrain of Israel recreated when Jesus comes again. Lo, He will come and save us, our King and Priest to be. For in him dwells awfulness, and Lord of all is he. It's all in him. It's all in him. The fullness of the Godhead, 
It's all in Him. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The mighty God is Jesus, and it's all in Him. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead, it's all in Him. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The mighty God is Jesus, and it's all in Him. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead, it's all in Him. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The mighty God is Jesus, and it's all in Him. Praise God. We worship the Lord our God. Hallelujah, Jesus, the mighty God in Christ. We worship You, Thou Most High God. We give glory and honor unto the King of kings and unto the Lord of lords. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the perfect, the infinite, the all-wise, all-knowing God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus, for Your manifest presence in this place. Thank You, Jesus, for the hope that we have in You that one day we're going to see You face to face not through a glass darkly. We're going to see the one who died for us, the one who loved us, the one who created us. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. You are our hope. You are our joy, our peace, our salvation, our exceeding great reward. Hallelujah, Jesus. And we worship you today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. What an awesome God, folks. He's done everything for us. The God who had everything. He was sufficient in and of Himself. He didn't need anything or anyone. He is self-sufficient. Complete in Himself. But He created us because He wanted fellowship with like-minded people. Praise God. So He created you. And He created me. I will never cease to be amazed by that. I'll never cease to be blown away. The God that owns, that created literally everything. He's infinitely powerful. Infinitely knowledgeable. He wants a relationship with me. I am so thankful for Him. So thankful for everything he's done for me. Amen. What a great God we serve. First Samuel chapter thirty, verses one through seven is where we'll find our scripture text. While you're turning there, I want to wish a very happy Father's Day to all people. Uh fathers, uh maybe future fathers. Amen. Praise God. <coughs> Surprisingly, we're going to be talking about that today. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 through 7. 
And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. And had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives. <clears throat> Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought hither the ephod to David. Amen. We'll be talking for the remainder of this time on this topic, the burden of command. The burden of command. Lord Jesus, you're an awesome God. We look to you for wisdom, for guidance, for understanding. <clears throat> this is your service. We are your people. We submit ourselves wholly and completely to you. Assume control of the service from this point forward. Let your perfect will be accomplished. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> this is Father's Day. Amen. And I promise you, uh, you will not get beaten up. Uh, you will not get uh, tortured. I know it's disappointing. Kind of look forward to it every year, don't you? Yeah. <clears throat> but hopefully, Lord willing, this will be a message of encouragement, of, of, of hope. Ladies, you are a complete mystery to us. <clears throat> I saw a book, and this was when Walden Books was still a thing. I saw a book uh, that was entitled, Everything Men Know About Women. And you open the pages, and it was all blank pages. <laughs> Absolutely true. You're a mystery to us. You're, you're beautiful, and you're mysterious, and you're, you're precious uh, human beings. But uh, there are many, many things about you we're just never going to understand. I don't know why you go to an overstuffed closet. And come out proclaiming you have nothing to wear. <clears throat> I don't I don't understand that. I don't ever, ever, I will never understand why you would ask us a question like, Does this make me look fat? Why would you do that to us? That's entrapment. That's but hopefully, you know, after we've been married a little bit, we understand, no, you don't answer that question. You get distracted. You find something else to do. You change the subject. You do anything else. Men don't answer that question. Because even if you say, no, it makes you look awesome, they'll find a way to turn that around. I don't know how they do that. Oh, so you think the other one makes me look fat. Or something like that. And... I got something going on in the garage I got to take care of. <clears throat> More seriously, though, 
what it's like to carry a baby inside of us. We'll never understand that. What it's like to give birth to a human being. We'll never, we'll never experience that. We'll never understand that. However, there are some things about men that you may not understand. <clears throat> we express emotion easier through action. We build relationships with others through shared activities, not through words. <clears throat> we don't use a lot of words, but more action, activity. And because of that, we can pack a whole lot of meaning into one word. <clears throat> How was your day at work today, honey? Good. <clears throat> no, no. How was it? Tell me about it. It was good. What do you think of this dress? Yeah. Or? Nah. We answered the question. I don't, I don't know what you're looking for here. <laughs> Something else mothers will never understand is the burden of command that every father has. The role of the father is, and again, a lot of this will be no surprise to anyone here, under attack by our society, by our culture today. It's uh, <clears throat> roles in general are under attack. Uh, sexual ambiguity is the rule of the day. Uh, we're whatever we want to be, whatever we identify with. But the role of the father, the role of the mother, they were established in Scripture very early on. And um, they are offices that are ordained by God and infused by God with a level of authority, a level of, uh, I believe, special wisdom and understanding <clears throat> that God gives to mothers and fathers for the tasks that uh, they have or will have in front of them. As a father, <clears throat> this is... Most people see, you know... Typically, we'll go to work, come home tired. You know, my dad is here. God bless you, sir. Uh, Marcia, so good to have you guys. John and Grace, thank you for being present with us today. I didn't announce any of our visitors. Someone should have said something. God bless you guys. We're so glad to have you guys here with us today. But I'm especially excited that my dad is here on Father's Day. Amen. I told the, some of the uh, people this morning that I'm going to be on my best behavior today. Because uh, if, uh, <laughs> if I'm not, uh, I'm going to hear about it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but, you know, I, I remember growing up, and my dad worked on the railroad uh, his whole life. Uh, loved it. Loved every minute of it. Absolutely a joy to, to, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it paid well. I mean, my dad took care of our family. Uh, we always had food on the table. Always had, I mean, just crazy cool presents, you know. Um, 
Everything was always taken care of. And uh, I would I would come home from school, and uh, Dad would be home. I'd see his, his vehicle in the... And uh, the only thing I could think of was, Dad's home. He's going to be tired. He's going to want me to help him work on something. And that always frustrated me until I became a father myself. And then I understood, yeah, you're really tired. You're really tired when you come home from work. And you just you don't necessarily have the energy to play with a six- or seven-year-old boy, eight-, nine-year-old boy, uh, like he would want to, like I would have wanted to. But there are greater responsibilities, you know, taking care of the home, taking care of the family. Uh, There are responsibilities that fathers have in particular, uh, God-given, some cultural, but God-given, the father, the husband, he's out front. He's on the front line for that family. He's the one, or he should be the one, praying for that family every day. I pray for every member of my family every day. I want God's protection on them. I want God's blessing on them. But that's the role of the husband, to intercede. We see it in, in the book of Job. Job would make sacrifices for his family in case one of them may have sinned. He was assuming that responsibility, that role. He was the one, he was the bulkhead, he was the sealed. Standing there between whoever was coming and their family. The father, the husband is the one out in front taking the hits for the family standing behind. That's the role of the father. That's something the mother shouldn't really ever understand. Now, I understand the mother prays for the family too. The mother has spiritual warfare. I understand all of that. I'm not, I'm not saying you guys don't. But the role of the father is the protector of the family. They're the ones out front. They're the ones that want to take the hits for their family. That's, that's ingrained in us. That's hardwired into us as men. We want to be out front. We want to be the ones that sacrifice for our family, that give for our family. There's no, there's no greater death that I could imagine other than dying in service to the Lord Jesus Christ is laying down my life for my family. And I know that that may sound like cliche or, or over the top or something, but, but I, I truly mean that. If I have to die anyway, man, I can't think of a better death than that. That would be awesome for me. But I'm a father. I'm a husband. We're the ones out in front, paving the way forward, taking the hits meant for others in our family. This is typically, of course, spiritual. On our knees in prayer. Perhaps the most misunderstood aspect of fatherhood, though, on both sides, is that of spiritual authority the proper exercise of that authority. Now, as soon as we start talking about husbands and authority, you can almost feel the atmosphere begin to change. 
you can almost feel hairs standing up on the back of some people's necks. Oh boy, he's going to talk about wives submitting to husbands. I am going to talk about that, but in a different light. So bear with me. Some verses on it. There are several. Genesis 3.16, Under the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. Thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Okay. Ephesians 5.22-25, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wife, wives be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25, of course, says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. All right. Colossians 3, 18 and 19 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Titus 2 and 5, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Two more, 1 Peter 3 and 1, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. 1 Peter 3 and 5, For after this manner in the old time the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. All right. Now that we've got those scriptures out of the way and we realize we're talking about something biblical, something scriptural, let's unpack it. The Bible in general is being attacked in our culture today, and everything the Bible stands for is under attack, including fatherhood. This idea is even being attacked from those who profess to be Christians. Now, one of the best way to fight, what ways to fight back is to demonstrate what it means to be a scriptural, biblical husband. A biblical, scriptural father. What do I mean by that? <clears throat> Here's why the atmosphere begins to change. Here's why hairs start bristling in the back of people's necks. Because everybody has an example of the opposite. The husband that comes home, woman, you got to submit to me. We all have examples of that. At least I've heard so many, I, I've lost count a long time ago. And they're out there, to be sure. No doubt about that. <clears throat> but... The biblical, scriptural husband first loves their wives as Christ loved the church. How much does God love the church? How much does He love His church? He died for us, right? He willingly laid down His life. And folks, that's not like me laying down my life because probably in that situation I'm not going to have a choice anyway. Jesus chose to. If He didn't choose to lay down His life, there was no way you're going to take it from Him. He chose that. And when the times were fulfilled, He chose to pick it right back up again. 
I don't have those choices. When it comes time for me to die, I promise you it's not going to be because I choose to. It'll be sickness. It'll be accident. It'll be someone breaks in and kills me or something like that. But that's how much Jesus loves the church. How much am I supposed to love my wife? The same amount. I'm supposed to put her first. I'm supposed to put her on a pedestal. I'm supposed to serve her. Everything Jesus does for the church, that's how I am to be toward my wife. Now, wives, if we were like that all the time, wouldn't it be a little bit easier to submit yourself? Wouldn't it be a little bit easier to just say, okay, you're in charge? Another thing I don't understand is why people would want to be in charge in the first place. I don't get that at all. I, before I was ever in charge of anything, I wanted to be in charge. I wanted to be the guy that called the shots. Because, man, that guy, he doesn't do anything. He just tells other people what to do. When I was in the Army, man, I wanted to be a sergeant. I wanted to be a sergeant so bad. Because then I can drop people. They can't drop me anymore. <clears throat> I just tell people to do stuff and they do it. Well, when I became a sergeant, I realized that that's not exactly how things played out. Now I got all kinds of responsibility. Yeah, they're telling people what to do, but they're the ones that are responsible for that stuff getting done now. They're not going to come to the private you told to go clean the latrine. The platoon sergeant is going to come to me. Hey, why isn't that clean? Well, I, I told... That never flies. You are responsible for that. I'm holding you accountable for that. As a father and as a husband, the Lord Jesus Christ holds you and holds me accountable for that relationship and for what goes on in our families. We are where the buck stops. We are the ones that will stand before the judgment seat of God and give an account. Not our wives. Not our children. Us. Why? Because God has given us the authority. And as we've stated earlier, He gives us the authority to discharge the responsibilities He's given us. They always go hand in hand. This, mount, this level of responsibility... This level of authority. If I have this much authority, it's because I have this much responsibility. And that's the only reason. So, yes, it is biblical to submit yourself to your husband. But, husband, we've got to love our wives. And that should be an easy thing to do. As Christ loved the church, as Christ loved you, and gave yourself, gave himself for you. <clears throat> In everything, our example, of course, is Jesus Christ. We are to rule. We are to rule our household, but in the fear of God, keeping ourselves in submission also. 
And this is another negative example of husbands. They want to be in authority, but not under authority. That could be said of some women too. But, if we will submit ourselves first to God, to those who have the rule over us, we will in turn receive authority from God to rule our homes. So, now that all of that's out of the way, women, you have an equally important role to play, but it's not being in charge. It's not being in authority. That doesn't make your role any less important. That doesn't make your role any less uh, glamorous, if we can say it that way, if that's what people are worried about. We'll talk about that in a moment as we start discussing the burden of command. Now, what is the burden of command? I thought this was an actual phrase uh, that meant what I thought it meant. I couldn't find it. So, uh, maybe I heard this from somewhere, or maybe the Lord enlightened my pea brain. Uh, But in any case, uh, I can't find anything specific on it. But what I mean when I say burden of command, I mean the situation that you're where the buck stops and you have to make a decision. The decision is yours to make. And it can be a very important decision. It's going to affect the lives of your entire family. But it's your decision to make. You're the one that's going to be responsible for the outcome of that decision. And because of that, because you're cognizant of that, that can be a little bit stressful. That's the burden of command that I'm talking about. And when someone has that ultimate responsibility... It can become difficult sometimes to make a decision because you realize the weight of that is going to rest on your shoulders. The responsibility for the outcome of that decision is going to rest on your shoulders. So this is where our godly biblical wives come in. The one in authority, if they're smart, They have counselors in their lives. Kings always had counselors. They had aides. Our president. They have have cabinet members. Supposedly they receive counsel from these individuals. People who don't have the ultimate authority. They don't have the authority to decide. But they're trying to get input from different people. Wives are so important when it comes to this. Your wife should should be your closest confidant. The counselor that you seek. One of the counselors you seek. As men, we also need godly men in our lives. Elders who have been where we're going. That have permission to speak into our lives. People who 
They have no stake in the game. They have no skin in the game. Your decision isn't going to affect them in any way. They have no burden of command. They're free and clear to make a, a, a rational, clear choice. You know, you've heard the expression, you can't see the forest for the trees. You get bogged down with stuff. And it can be difficult sometimes to make a good decision. Because you're the one that has to make it. That's the burden of command. And that's what, that's what our wives will never understand. Carrying that weight of responsibility for our wives, for our children, before God. It's a very real thing. And when we, when we begin to understand that burden, that ultimate responsibility is mine as a husband, as a father. God's going to hold me accountable for it. The results of this decision, I'll be accountable for them. You can start to feel maybe a little bit of fear. Am I making the right call here? Am I making the wrong one? What are the consequences going to be? What are people going to think if I make this decision? If I decide to go this way? Do I even have enough information to make this to make a good decision here? Should I hold off? Can I hold off? Fear can get in the way. We can begin to have doubts. Am I up to the task? Am I able to make a good decision here? I'm not sure if this is the right decision or not. I wish I had more time to decide. We could be letting pride or ego get in the way. People are going to think I'm incompetent if I don't get this decision right. What's my wife? What's my children going to think if I even can't decide this right? That's why good leaders and good fathers have counselors in their lives. Other godly men, our wives, God. Wives, if we're the leader, you are our most trusted counselor. And when I say counselor, <clears throat> I'm just going to come out and say this. I'm saying it in love. Ladies, we don't need a nag. We don't need to be henpecked. We need a counselor. We need someone to bounce ideas off of. Because please remember, you can nag and scream and yell all day long. But at the end of the day, you're not the one accountable to God. Your husband is. And whatever decision you influence him to make, he's going to bear the responsibility for it. Okay? So help him to make the very best one. Help us to make the very best decision. Amen. In our scripture text today, David was so overwhelmed, he was so overcome with grief and despair, he just didn't know what to do at this point in time. Can you imagine where David is at right now? 
He's on the run from King Saul. He has been for a while now. Anointed king. Not even in Israel right now. On the run. Trying to survive. Looking over his shoulder. Living in dens and caves of the earth. At present, he was gifted a a place called Ziklag. He was coming back from an expedition and found it burned to the ground. Everything was taken. I mean, what's left at this point? His men were turning against him. His decisions weren't turning out so well. He was the guy in charge. He was the one with the burden of command. All the men were looking to him to make good, rational decisions. And this is where we're at because of David's good, rational decisions. I can only imagine how David must have been feeling right right about now. Fear? Doubt? Can I get anything right? I've been in in times in my life where I'm asking God, God, can I just have a win? Anything. I'll take anything. Just a win. A small one. I just need a win right now. I'll take anything. I imagine David was feeling like that right now. What he did know, he did know one thing to do though. He turned to God. He encouraged himself in God. Now, what does that mean? I don't know what it means for David specifically, but I know what it means for me specifically. In times like this, when I just don't know what to do, every decision seems like a bad one. You're choosing between the the best bad decision. You ever been there? Anything you decide... Whatever way you go, it's going to be awful. And you know it. At that time, we can turn to God. We can certainly turn to our wives. We can turn to godly elders in our lives for counsel and for advice. But we can always turn to God. We can always seek wisdom. We can seek direction from Him. When I read encourage myself in the Lord, I encourage myself because of what God has done for me in the past, His faithfulness in my life. I encourage myself because I see what He's done for people in Scripture. I see the power of God. I see the end result of those that continue to serve God through difficult times, that they are blessed, that they come out as pure gold. I encourage myself because God is faithful and He's merciful and He's just and He wants the very best for me. I encourage myself because I understand who God is. I understand His character. I trust Him. I trust Him no matter what. No matter what situation I face, I can trust Him that He's going to lead me through to the other side. And I'll be smelling like a rose. That's right. Every single time. God does it right. And because of decisions you make, you may find yourself in a similar situation like David did here. 
you look back on it, you're, you're going through everything, and I think I made the right calls in, the, in these things. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if I'd have done anything differently. You may feel like you've failed them. You've let them down. Folks, that just means you're trying to do something for them. If you're afraid of failure, don't even think about any kind of leadership. If you're afraid of failure, don't ever try to do anything. Because if you try to do anything, you're going to fail. Or maybe it was that you were trying to become someone for them. And it didn't work out that time. I'm trying to live for God. I'm trying to be Christ-like. I'm trying to love my wife as, as Christ loved the church. Gave Himself for it. But I messed up. I made a mistake. Your wife and your children may not always understand or even agree with what you, you're, you do for your family, what you're doing, what you're enduring. They may not understand. How can they? They don't carry the burden of command that you do. When I was a child, I couldn't understand what my dad was going through. There was no way he could have sat down and told me explicitly, verbatim. I would have understood the words that came out of his mouth, what they meant, but I couldn't understand what he was going through. I couldn't understand how he was feeling until I was in the same situation or similar situation. Then I could understand. Then I could relate. They can't understand, Father. They're not the Father. You are. And this can lead to feelings of loneliness and isolation. The old adage, it's lonely at the top. That doesn't have to be lonely at the top. I think people are lonely at the top by choice. They're not leading well. If you're leading biblically, if you're leading scripturally, there'll be all kinds of people there with you. This is our cross to bear, but we were uniquely created to bear it. Would you want it any other way? <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, I would. <clears throat> I don't want to be in charge all the time. There are times, quite honestly, I would be very happy to just let my wife take care of it. I don't want to deal with this anymore. But I can't. I can't do that. It's not mine to give. It's not hers to receive. It's mine to discharge. It's mine to accomplish. It's mine to do. For better or for worse, that's it. That's where we're at. Men, fathers, you were created to lead. You were created to take charge. So feel free to do so in the fear of God. Feel free to lead your families closer to God.
feel free to lead your families in prayer, in worship, in Bible study. Feel free to lead worship here at church. To lead prayer in church. I'm not talking about standing up here necessarily, but but example it. Lead it. Amen. Churches across the country lament the fact that by and large it's the women that take charge of things in our church services. And there are reasons for that. We could get into them. Uh, cultural shifts and blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't matter right now. The fact of the matter is that as men in our nation, men are relinquishing their God-given responsibilities. They are relinquishing their God-given calling as leaders in our homes, as leaders in the church. And all I'm saying, men, fathers, husbands, start walking in the calling that God has called you to. If you're not already. Go ahead. Go ahead and step out. Lead. Make some mistakes. It's all right. The story continues in verse 8 of 1 Samuel chapter 30. David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. So David went, he and six hundred men that were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and four hundred men, for two hundred abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Besor. Skipping down to verse 17. David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day, and there escaped not a man of them, save four hundred young men, which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil, (coughs) nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. David took all the flocks and the herds, which they drave before those other cattle, and said, This is David's spoil. Amen. So in the midst of complete and miserable failure, God gave David an awesome victory. Not only did they recover everything, but they took all the Amalekites' spoil as well. And they had much more than they started with. Because David stayed faithful. David stayed obedient to the voice of the Lord in his life. When God leads you into tough spots, it might be tempting to say, was that God? I'm not sure if I heard from God now or not. One guy told me a long time ago, uh, Tim Olson, maybe some of you know him, uh, Eric Olson's older brother. Don't start doubting in the darkness what God told you in the light. Don't doubt in the darkness what God told you in the light. And that's so true because in the darkness it's very easy to start questioning. Is that what God said? Did God really promise that? He did. He did promise that. That word that He spoke to you, it's true. He did speak that to you. Don't doubt it. Don't doubt it when things get hard. If you will continue to follow Him, Continue to follow Him. 
He will lead you through whatever situation you may find yourself in presently, and you will be blessed beyond measure for it. In closing, a lot of you have heard this before. Uh, It's a quote from Theodore Roosevelt. He says this, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Amen. Let's all stand. I'm thankful in this church we have many biblical, godly fathers. Amen. And I'm thankful in my personal life that I have a godly Biblical Father in my life. Amen. Everything I am today, I owe in large part due to my father, my mother. Amen. I'm thankful. I am so thankful. If we could have all of our fathers come forward... just talked about leading. Who's going to lead? Who's going to lead the procession? (laughs) Amen. Praise God. If you could all stand up here in front, face the congregation. Look at these handsome men. They're all taken. <clears throat> Praise God. All right. If your wives are here, if uh, wives could come forward, we're going to pray for our husbands. Amen. <laughs> we want to. Pr- <laughs> We want to pray for our we want to pray for our husbands, we want to pray for our men. We want to pray for them every day, don't we? For the things that they do for our families. The things that they endure, the things they face spiritually, physically. Amen. Praise God. All right, I'm going to set this down. We're going to start praying.
Kenny, now, before you're dismissed, before we let you guys sit down, we have uh, some Father's Day gifts we'd like to present to you guys. These are useful and awesome. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a very happy Father's Day. We love and appreciate all of our fathers. Amen. You're dismissed when... Thank you. Thank you.